if that ends up paying out, that'll be something that we're super, super proud of. And so, sorry, our music started playing for some reason. No. <laughs> I don't know if you heard it, but uh, that we is what? so <laughs> amateur. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I I was look at that! It happened organically. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it might. <laughs> you thought it might. That's great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but um, wait. Welcome to Amateur Hour. My name is Chris Davis, and joining me is... I don't have anything clever to say this week either. It's Ben Gosshorn. Hey, that's me. Um, yeah, we're just uh, excited to share with you an interview with Mike Vest mm-hmm. of Lions Bridge FC. Yeah, our neighbors to the north. and uh, Well, the north, that makes it sound like they're Canadian. Yeah. They're not Canadian, they're just uh, Virginians. <laughs> But um, <laughs> uh, it was a very good talk. Uh, I don't know how long it'll be once I edit it, just ever so slightly. But we, we talked with him for over an hour. Yeah. Um, I guess you could probably guess roughly how long it is by how long it says it is in your podcast. But I assure you, it was all a wonderful conversation full of interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just loved hearing about what was going on up there at Lions Bridge and how the season went and what they think it's going to be like in the future. So uh, without further ado, here's that interview. And we're here with Mike Vest now of Lionsbridge FC. Mike is the co-founder and chairman of Lionsbridge FC. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us to talk about what's been going on up there in Newport News. And um, I don't know, do you want to start with a question or how do you want to do this, Ben? We're kind of loose with this. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the thing we kind of wanted to start off with is uh, take us back and just kind of go through the season, different highlights, different things that stood out to you. Um, just walk us through the season and how it looked from behind the scenes for, uh, for you, Mike. Yeah, well, I think it was, it was a pretty interesting journey. You know, I think in, in a lot of ways, we really didn't know what to expect as a first year team. Um, you know, I think in the, in the months leading into the season, we had spent a lot of time working on relationships in the community, building sponsors, finding volunteers and different community partners and, folks that could help make the team be successful. And we felt like that was going well, but until you fling the doors open, you don't, you don't really totally know for sure. Um, and then from a competitive standpoint, we had even less of a clue. I mean, I think, you know, we, we knew we were walking into probably what, what we felt like was the toughest division in PDL, um, in the toughest conference in PDL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, and we're the only new team. So, I mean, I yeah. think, you know, we felt like we're looking around going, Hmm, you know, I, you know, hopefully we'll be competitive um, because you know that the rosters all throughout the Carolinas are just loaded with really high level talent. So we just didn't know what, what really to expect other than, you know, we'd hired a coach who was, had, you know, fantastic experience at the collegiate level and been successful everywhere he's been. And he had assembled a, um, an assistant coaches, a couple assistant coaching coaches on his staff that were uh, talented and successful in their own right. Uh, and, you know, we put together a roster and the hard part about PDL is you have no idea from year to year how those players are going to mesh mm-hmm. um, because they're all coming from different places. A lot of them don't know each other. Um, and then from a scheduling standpoint, we started before virtually anybody else mm-hmm. in the whole league. Our first game was on May 5th um, at Evergreen on the road. 
And so I, you know, we hadn't we, we had not practiced 11 v 11 before we went up to Evergreen. Oh, wow. Um, and, and so we had had two training sessions and we did not have 22 guys in yet. Hmm. So uh, so really and truly the first time we were seeing our team was, you know, when when it really counted. And so we went up to Evergreen and uh, it was most of the first half was played in a downpour. Um, and it was, yeah, exactly. And so, well, we weren't even sure if that was adversity. We weren't, I mean, we thought that may or may, we didn't know if it was a good thing, uh, <laughs> you know? So, you know, we're like, Oh, does this fit our style? I don't know. We don't have a style. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. And when Jalen Brown scored the first goal of the game, I think, I can't remember how deep into the second half it was. I think it was around um, the 67th minute. I don't know why I remember that. But I'm pretty sure. There you go. You remember it even more clearly than I, it's a kind of a blur for, for us now. Yeah. But when he scored, um, it was a moment of elation that I, I honestly, I didn't know I'd feel quite like that when, when we scored the first goal. I mean, Kevin Joyce, one of the co-founders, was next to me. Our wives were there, um, and you know we had a contingent of about ten or twelve fans uh, that had made the trek up, trek up from Newport News, nice. waving flags, and it was just this moment of jubilation that I'll I'll, I'll never forget. It's probably one of my favorite moments of the season, mm. uh, in a season that had a lot of really great moments. But um, we ended up drawing on the road. We gave up a goal in the 90th minute, and I remember we. <laughs> we left there feeling so deflated and we were like, wow, like how did this happen in the course of a week? Our team's been together for all of basically three days and we're disappointed with a, with a road draw. (laughs) And it was just like, wow, you know, I think, I think it turns out we, you know, we, even though we really didn't necessarily want to say it, we really felt like we maybe did have some high expectations, uh, you know, on the, on the field as well. And we're like, wow, you know, I wonder if those two points are going to come back to haunt us <laughs> later. So, you know, it was a, um, it, it was, a, it was a really, it's a magical day to be able to go play it on the road. It was good to come away with points. Always good to have road points. Um, but, uh, but it was, it was just a, it was a really special day uh, to get a chance to go up there and, and and see all the hard work that we had put in, really for about, you know, almost a year, mm. um, into, you know, a team that was on the field and. And wearing the kits for the first time, and turning in a lineup sheet for the first—I mean, it was just you know, first everywhere you went. And so uh, that was that was a pretty great day. Um, and then we got a chance to play Evergreen again, um, eleven days later, uh, at home for our first ever home game. And we got—I mean, I don't know what happened that night, but we just got out of the gate so fast. I think we scored three goals in the first fifteen minutes or something like that. And um, we had this promotion uh, all season long that became kind of a thing here where we have a, our jersey sponsors, Chick-fil-A, and if, mm-hmm. if we score a goal on a header, uh, everybody in the stadium gets a free Chick-fil-A breakfast sandwich, and Max Pelker scored the first goal at home for Lionsbridge on a header, <laughs> and the place erupted. I think, hopefully anyway, they were erupting, <laughs> yeah. but after we, when we, had, when we announced, of course at that point, like hardly anybody understood the promotion. It was our first game. We were about 10 minutes into our first ever game. Mm-hmm. And when we announced in there that everyone was getting a free chicken sandwich, the place erupted again. Like we had just scored a second goal and it was just like, wow, this is, this is going to be a really fun summer. And it turned out to be. Yeah. I don't know uh, what is more exciting, a head and goal or free food. So uh, yeah, exactly. Exciting. But and I think that kind of uh, the difference of those two score lines, because if I remember y'all beat evergreen, something crazy like four or five Oh, in that game. 
I, I could be wrong. Yeah, five I to beat one. Them a lot to where I yeah, was like, five to one. That's way different than what they did eleven days ago. So it's interesting yeah. that some of that might have been simply because of the lack of practice, eleven v eleven, and all that. And once you guys got in the rhythm, you guys went off. And from what I've heard, uh, your, your coach, um, when we were down in South Carolina, actually, uh, the guy that we interviewed, uh, Jody, he was telling us that you guys' coach was one of the best coaches at what he does, period. Like, he was telling us about it. You know, y'all were obviously weren't even down there for that game, but he was just talking to us about it. So that's pretty impressive. You guys were able to recruit a coach of his caliber. And obviously, he helped you guys this year because you guys did very well, especially for a first-time team in the league. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're super fortunate to have Chris Wally in our backyard. Um, he's collegially, he coaches at Chawan, which is a Division II school um, in North Carolina, but it's right kind of tucked underneath the Virginia North Carolina border, fairly close to our area. Mm. Um, and he's been he's been there for about four years, I think now. Um, but he's you know he's coached in Division One. He, he he coached Lee's McRae, North Carolina, um, sort of near Boone. Uh, to Division Two national championship game a few years back, so he he's been he's been successful everywhere he's gone, um, and I think one of the reasons we were just we're just very fortunate that he was available um, in 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 our market. He lives in Suffolk, which is about you know 35 or 40 minutes away from Pomoco Stadium where we play our home games. So um, yeah, we were we were tremendously lucky to get a coach of his caliber who's been successful at the collegiate level, has a lot of relationships with other coaches around the country um, to be able to help bring in players, but then also has a, uh, a working knowledge of, of the players in this area. Um, so kind of a good blend of, um, you know, kind of local expertise uh, among him and his whole staff um, and, uh, and also having the national relationships as well that you need to be able to bring in players from the outside. Yeah, that's pretty, that's probably like the perfect coaching like template you could have having yeah. a person that's been successful um so he's and he's been a couple different places so he's going to know how to build up a, a team and also he's yep. going to be able to recruit in his backyard that he knows good players are there and be able to yeah. get players from from different areas um that, that's that's really and cool. and also and also played professionally too yeah. and oh, he'd yeah. be you know if he were on the phone he would want to you know he'd want to remind us of that too <laughs> so you know uh so you know chris but you know all joking aside i mean chris can talk about it from a lot of angles mm, yeah. you know i mean he can you know everybody in this league no matter what team they play for aspires to play professionally and it helps when your coach has done it and mm. um you know knows what it takes and knows kind of the stat, the stage, you know, but he's also been in the States. He's an English guy, but he's been in the States for, uh, I don't know, probably, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 years. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he understands American college soccer. He under, understands the American soccer player, um, you know, can relate to the international guys having done that himself as well. Cause he played collegiately in the States. Mm -hmm. So there's really no part of the experience that he can't speak to with, with some level of expertise. Wow. That's awesome. That sounds like a big ingredient for why he's such a good coach. Definitely. So fast forward a little bit there as far as like highlights of the middle of the season, maybe some adversity you went through. Um, because one thing I definitely want to touch base on is uh, the fact that you were able to average 1,300 plus people a game um, and, and get some really solid numbers on the high end too. Um, tell us a little bit about the middle of the season and just what it looks like to keep that pace of attendance and, and grow it continually throughout the season 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I think the 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 thing that we kind of anticipated um, about the season. Everyone that we talk to about PDL talks about just how fast the season goes. I mean, yeah. it feels like it starts and it ends in the blink of an eye. And so, you know, one of the things that we felt like was going to be challenging for us was there's there are no magic tricks when it comes to the marketing once you're in the middle of the season. Yeah. Uh, there's just no time for that because you're just executing. You know, we had scheduled in addition to the. 14 game league schedule we'd also scheduled two home friendlies as well mm. and actually had you know due to the um field conditions and the in the weather uh in the middle of may you know we had a game day that we didn't turn out to be a game day so we actually you know you're just you're just constantly in the state of execution when it comes to the schedule so mm-hmm. from a marketing standpoint all the hard work you kind of you do everything you can leading up to the start of the season. And then for the most part, there's, you know, other than, you know, you know, just a couple of real minor things here and there, you kind of are going to get what you get, uh, from an attendance standpoint. Um, and so, you know, you've got to have a really good plan that you lay out and that you execute. Um, but you know, there's really no time for, for any of the, you know, you, you can't start thinking about the marketing once the season's already underway. You, you're kind of, you're going to have to play the hand you're dealt. So, you know, we had we developed a lot of partnerships um, in the community. We had a different nonprofit group and a different youth soccer organization. We don't have a youth organization underneath us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on purpose. I think we talked about this in the preseason, but you know, I don't want to coach my own son playing soccer, much less anybody else's. <laughs> so. Um, so we don't we don't have a youth organization underneath this, but what that's allowed us to do is go have good relationships um, with every other youth soccer organization in the area. And so we had a different youth organization come in for every game to do uh, to be ball kids and to do starting lineup walkouts. Um, we were able to serve beer at our games, and so we had a different nonprofit organization was pouring the beers in the beer tent every game. And so what we were trying to do is get as many people involved in the team as possible in the game day experience. And the idea was hopefully that, you know, they might come out and their kid might be a ball kid for game two and they have a really good time and they want to come back and go, go to games three, four and five. Um, and so that was kind of, I think the, the snowball effect uh, helped us there. And then I think too, you know, we, our high watermark was uh, the NCFC game on July 3rd, yep. July 3rd is a good night to, you know, not many people are working on July 4th. Some people are, but not not many. Um, and, you know, when we had fireworks that night, we made sure that people knew that we were going to have fireworks in a home game. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's that's just a, it's just a good formula for, for us. I think we, you know, we're going to try to do a home game uh, on that date every year if we can. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was that was a good a good one for that night. Um, and then I think group sales is just really important. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work to do, um, you know, to, to market to people individually and you can't, it just doesn't scale very well. So we had a couple of group nights, um, that we had either built into some sponsorships or had, uh, sold, uh, a big number of tickets to uh, organizations that weren't necessarily sponsors of us, but wanted to have a big employee night. And so, um, you know, we put those strategically on certain nights of the week that we thought we wouldn't necessarily have great attendance. And I think that's one of the things that helped out our average too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it does require a lot of strategy, I think, and a lot of, um, thought in the off season. Um, because like I said, once you get into it, um, you're kind of drinking water from a fire hose and it's going to be hard to, 
come up with any new ideas once the once the games start flying fast and furious. Yeah, can't really can't uh, reinvent the wheel when the car's already moving. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's good to to keep in mind. It's interesting that you knew to keep those um, those tools and, and utilize them in the area. That's that's one thing that was really uh, um, I thought encouraging about what was going on because by chance I ended up watching a, a number of your games uh, based on the live stream uh, being at home. Mm-hmm. And it, it was remarkable. I think one game I was listening to or watching, I should say, in, in the commentators where there was a solid minute or so where they were just thanking sponsors and whatnot. I thought that was yeah. pretty pretty awesome that they there was that much time that needed to be invested in, in sponsors. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I want right. to say there was always something going on at halftime. I mean, it, obviously I wasn't paying attention yeah. to it on the stream because I couldn't see it, but it, it was pretty cool yeah. to see those um, those foundations in place um to to help bring people out and whatnot and obviously it worked i guess that's that's probably the best thing about all this is that um they obviously worked and you were excellent at doing them yeah Um, uh, yeah, no i appreciate that i think one of the things that that um when we were when we were kind of dreaming up what we thought a lions bridge game day would look like you know we always felt like soccer would be in the center of it Mm. but there better be a lot of things around it yeah um because you know it's uh, you know, as as much as we kind of on Twitter, we're we're kind of on Twitter. We're really only talking to the hardcore fans. Yeah. And the the reality is is that in order to be sustainable and in order to to have a real community investment, you you're gonna have to suck in some some casual fans. Yeah. Um, and to do that, sometimes, you know, I think. You know, I know sometimes soccer folks don't like baseball and baseball folks don't like soccer, but minor league baseball is a, is a, is a perfect example of how there's a, there's not, I mean, baseball is a popular sport and, um, you know, people have, you know, it's been America's pastime and all all that other stuff. But the real reason why people go to minor league baseball games in all these small towns across America is because it's an entertaining and affordable night out and it has very little to do with baseball. Um, and so that's that's kind of what I mean. You're not seeing the the major league stars, um, you're not seeing the best of the best when you go see a minor league baseball game. But you're seeing guys who may make it to the big time someday, and you're doing it relatively inexpensively. And there's probably a mascot, <laughs> and there's and there's a dizzy bat race, yeah. and that's fun. You know, people come out, and it's it's not all the time that you laugh during a baseball game or a soccer game, um, but you probably will when you're watching. Um, you know, a uh, dizzy bat race or in, in the case of what we did at halftime, we had little kids come out and try to score a goal against the Chick-fil-A cow. Yes, um, okay. and then about, I thought that was quite that was that. Yep. That was one of them. And then the other one that was even more entertaining, um, was we, we had, we'd pull five people out of the stands and they would have a, a race, the length of the pitch to see who could, who could score a goal first. Oh, wow. And, okay. and, yeah, I and, that was really and we had, the first time we did it, we had one gentleman who was clearly the best athlete out there, but um, he may have stumbled and fallen flat on his face, <laughs> uh, literally, um, as he was, he was out to this huge lead and he fell, he fell flat on his face. And it was a great, like, you know, it, it was fun, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, those, even now, like when we talk, ask people, like, what were the, some of the, you know, what, what did you love about the season? And people bring that up as much as they bring up the goals or the wins. Wow. Very cool. I suppose I, you guys are creating like a whole experience and a whole culture. It's not just about what happens on the field, but everything around. Yep. Uh, that's really cool. And look, that what happens on the field 
is is really important. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't you can't go zero and seven at home and expect people to have a great time all season long. No. You know, but at the same time, I think the one thing that that we know is well, two things that are that are by far the most out of our control is the weather and and wins and losses. Mm. And so, you know, if we if we do a good job in the areas where we can control. Um, we at least give ourselves a, uh, are giving ourselves a chance, but you know, we hope we're going to be even more competitive next year. It was, we were thrilled to finish third in the table, um, in, in our division. Um, you know, and so I think that's a great accomplishment for the first year, but you know, and we went five, two and two at home, including all competitions. And so we were really pleased with that. Yeah. Um, but it can get better, you know, so, you know, we'd love to be able to make the playoffs next year, qualify for the open cup. Mm. Um, and see where it goes from there, because I do think that when you are winning, even though it's a little bit, um, you know, from my seat, it's out of it's out of my control because I don't I really don't get that involved in, you know, the tactics or the <laughs> roster right. selection or recruitment or anything like that. We leave that to the guy who actually does that for a living. Um, but um, you know, if we do put on a, you know, if we were ever to host a playoff game at Pomoka Stadium, I think the atmosphere would be off the charts, and I think that. You know, everyone does want to support a winner. And I think we won enough this year for a first-year program, but if we can get even better on the field, um, then it's, you know, sky's the limit. What are some ways that you – because obviously this may be kind of a tough question to answer, but what are some ways you are going to look to improve upon to um, maybe gain some more people attending or – get some mm-hmm. extra players in there to, to get those wins and whatnot. What, what are some ways you yeah. look to improve upon uh, a very successful first season? Yeah. I mean, those are exactly the questions that we're asking ourselves right now. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we, um, you know, as we're talking now, I think, you know, we're five days after the end of our season. So yeah. um, we are, we're, we're taking a pretty short break. Right. <laughs> Um, but we're going to get right back at it. And one of the first things that we're going to do um, is blast out um, to our database of, of anybody who bought a ticket this season, which is more than – well, this will be some people in here who bought tickets more than once, obviously. But we had 12,000 people come through the gates in total. So we have a pre- oh. uh, segment of the population to be able to ask and ask them that. We're going to ask them. I mean I think one of the things that – made us successful in year one was we tried to get the community to tell us what they wanted. And so they voted on the logo. They've told us what food trucks they wanted to come out. They voted on the merchandise designs. So, you know, we're going to, we're not going to assume that we know the answer to that question right now. I think we need to ask folks and say, you know, what did you like and what didn't you like and how can we make it better um, in, in year two? I mean, there's some pieces of feedback that we, that we heard during the course of, the season that we know we can implement uh, right away and some of the things that we actually did try to address during the season. But for the most part, you know, I think we can now we can really kind of take our time to ask people, you know, what would what would you love to see that you didn't see this year? And that's from a fan side of things. Mm. I think competitively, um, you know, I think one of the things that and we were I was actually reading this article um, on the Philadelphia Union's website uh, last night or this morning. Um, is how Reading has gotten better and better, and what, what's been their what's been their formula. Um, and you know, one of the things that they talked about is uh, is host families and being able to really kind of open up their whole roster to being 
um, you know, the best players that they can find, not just being limited to who lives in the Reading or Philadelphia area. And so, you know, I think one of the things that um, we're always going to be a Virginia based team because there's a lot of talent in Virginia. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're, we're fortunate to be in a state where, um, you know, some of the best college soccer programs in America happen to exist. Um, so we'll always have tons of Virginia guys on the team. But, um, you know, this year we had seven host families, a total of nine players that were that were hosted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we'd like to be able to and that we we're pretty psyched that we were able to find seven host families yeah. for a team that didn't exist yet. Yeah, that's um, a big but ask, really. <laughs> huge ask um um my wife can attest to that we had two of the guys living with us this summer so um and and i'm guessing that josh and felix will hear this podcast at some point in time so shout out to josh and felix we miss you come back and visit uh um but uh, and our five-year-old jackson misses you dearly um but what i would say is it, w- it will be great if we can um it'll be great if we can have more host families because uh you know being serious about having Josh and Felix live with us this summer for a moment, it was an amazing experience. I mean, it was, it was truly incredible for our five-year-old to have two big brothers living in the house and treating him like gold, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, Josh Spencer from England and Felix Kolmenthaler from Germany. And it was cool for mom and dad to also get a chance to, you know, have dinner with those guys every night and, you know, ask them, you know, what's like, what's it like to live in Germany? What's it like to live in England? Tell us, you know, what's your, you know, they both played college soccer in America or, or did until recently, you know, what are your impressions? I just, the kind of culture, ex- cultural exchange is something that's priceless. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we're one of seven families that can talk about that among other people in the community. And we already know, like we've already heard from three more families that want to do it, that just missed the boat this year because they either didn't hear about it or maybe they weren't so sure. And now that, you know, maybe their circumstances have changed and they want to do it too. And so, you know, what that will do if we have more host families, that gives us the flexibility um, with our coaching staff to be able to, um, you know, recruit nationally on a um on a deeper basis i guess you would say yeah that's uh it seems like it's a model that other teams have used like you said with reading and i know that uh the eagles do that a lot as well house family Um, yeah yeah and it's kind of basically built the culture of the eagles um which is is it makes it it makes it a, a true community team when you have players living with families in the community, yeah. you know, and because those families inevitably have neighbors, um, and everyone just has a little bit of a deeper uh, investment emotionally uh, with the team, and that's I think that's one of the things that we saw this year. Yeah, I mean that can definitely be a benefit. I'll never forget a conversation I had with this uh, family at the uh, PDL National Championship last year. Uh, the Eagles hosted it, and we sat right behind this family that were they were a little bit older and they used to host uh players they had stopped for about five years because you know circumstances and all that but uh the 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 lady she was wearing one of her former uh people that she hosts jersey and uh she was talking about how much she loved it and how it was a great experience for her and for their grandson whenever he would come visit for the summer and uh, Mm -hmm. it can definitely be something very valuable to add to the culture so that's really cool yeah absolutely gotten involved with that too and seen the benefits of it yeah, definitely. So, uh, speaking of players, um, I don't know how much you can speak on this or not, because um, I know you don't deal so much with the player side. But uh, 
you know, you guys definitely had some bright players this year, and I was wondering if you knew anything about future, like if any of them are transferring or what they're planning on doing next. Anybody like a Jalen Brown, where he's going to end up or anything like that? Yeah, so we, it's, we've got a lot of interesting story. I think that was one of the other things that was really um, uh, fun to track as we started putting together the roster was seeing – um, you know, everyone, just a variety of different situations that guys are in. You know, we had, I think our, our, we, we may have led the league in, in age range, right? We, <laughs> we had guys as young as, is 19, yeah. um, finishing up their freshman year of college somewhere. Um, and then we had two guys that were 30. Mm. Um, and, um, and it, I chuckled when Tennant McVeigh made uh, team of the week, um, because Tennant, he is one of our assistant coaches. Um, and he's also, uh, he also played in the last, I think he played in the last three games. Um, <laughs> uh, but he was, an, he was an all American at Loyola, Maryland and a great player, yeah. um, in 2000, in 2009. Mm. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, he's assistant coach at ODU, he's assistant coach for us. And the intention I think all season was for him to be able to play, but, um, you know, he's in a unique situation because he's, uh, in a great job uh, with a great program at Old Dominion, um, but still can really play. Um, we had a couple guys like, you know, Jamie Gunderson uh, played uh, quite a few games for us this year. Also, um, uh, one of our elder statesmen, that makes him sound a little better. <laughs> uh, one of our, the elder statesmen on our, on our team, who's from Newport News um, and had played um, uh, collegiately in North Carolina, um, is coaching here. Uh, with the women's program at Christopher Newport University where we play our home games. Um, and, you know, those guys are going to go back to their coaching jobs this fall. Um, but those guys are, you know, have a local connection to the community. Um, and, you know, we, you know, we hope that those guys are going to be back next year. The, you know, um, certainly tenant will be in a coaching uh, capacity, but, um, you know, it's a matter of whether those guys physically feel like they can do it another year. But those guys – were some of the most professional. I mean, they were. They're former former professional players who um, who really handed a lot of skill and expertise and um, you know just leadership to, to to the team. And so you know those guys um, those guys are kind of in their own category of of you know what their future holds. Um, but then there's you know kind of from a prospect standpoint. Um, well, actually, before I get into that, you mentioned Jalen. Jalen's Jalen's got an incredible story because he's the all-time leading scorer. Jalen's twenty; he's either twenty-five or twenty-six. I don't remember, mm. but um, you know, probably not what you know MLS teams are looking for at this point, strictly because of his age. But he was the leading scorer in Christopher Newport University history. Um, he had played some NPSL. He had played uh, in the Division Two uh, in Australia last. year. Year oh, and was wow. the player of the year in Australia's Division Two. Wow! Um, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't know whether he. I don't know how much of an opportunity he had while he was stateside. But his performance in Australia led him to get a uh, uh, a trial with I don't know what team it was in the A League. Um, but I mean that would have been fantastic. But in the last game of his season in Division Two, he tore his hamstring, oh. and so it was basically. You know, and and he kind of had to be convinced to go to Australia in the first place because mm. his career plans, and he was two years into his business career um, already mm. at that age. You know, he graduated college a couple years prior to that, right. um, but he had decided he was going to become an Air Force pilot, um, and so he was. The only reason we ended up getting him at all is because he was 
he decided that he was ready to, you know, soccer career was coming to an end and it was time for him to uh, go become an Air Force pilot. And he was coming home to do that because our area is, um, you know, military uh, presence here in the Hampton Roads area is, is enormous. Mm-hmm. And so this is the place to, to do that. And he's from from this area. So he was coming home to be, be an Air Force pilot when we started this PDL team. And he wasn't really sure he wanted to come do it one more time. But he was waiting for all of his paperwork to come through. He's like, well, I guess I should go play soccer for a little while until, um, you know, until my papers come through. And then turns out he's our leading scorer, scores seven goals. And, um, you know, local legend is totally accurate. You know, and that's prior to him. That's certainly prior to him coming to Lions Bridge. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people got a chance to see him play for the first time with us um, since we haven't had a team quite like ours before in this area. Um, and so, you know, it, it's been, you know, he's I've gotten to know his parents a little bit and talked to Jalen quite a bit on the on the road and all the various interviews that he's done here locally. Um, and, you know, it's been a it's been a really cool thing to see Jalen basically before the sun sets on his career, really go out on a high note, scoring seven goals in, in the PDL um, and really kind of setting the pace for us. And, and like I said earlier about the other guys offering a lot of leadership and intangibles that um, guys who are going to go on to professional careers uh, can take with them too. So, um, you know, I'm, I've got a soft spot for some of the older guys mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the door closes faster than anybody would probably like. Um, but those guys have had one more chance to, uh, to take another good run at it. And, you know, I'm glad that we were able to, for several of those guys, if this is it for them, you know, it, it ended on a good note. Wow, that's really awesome. I, I wasn't sure what to expect when I heard that question, but that, when I asked the question, that was, <laughs> that was really cool. I mean, that's that's, that's really interesting thing. A lot of people think of the PDL, they think of, because uh, it's more or less a U23 league. It's mostly yep. college kids, but you do have those spots for players who are over 23, and that's just interesting hearing about some of the guys who are above that, what they're going through, because then, like you said, just about everyone wants to be a pro, but not everyone's going to get to become a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too, like, and we talked about this a little bit before we we don't have a youth program. Yeah. So, you know, we, we do want to develop players and we think that players are going to come here and get better. Um, but the reality is, is that, and, and I, I you, this just happens in other places because of the nature of, of, of their structure and the makeup, um, where they're going to want to, you know, give a chance to their own quote unquote, their guys. Well, our, the, the guys that, our guys are the guys who we think are going to give us the best chance to win, mm. you know? And so Jalen Brown was definitely going to give us the best chance to win. <laughs> Tennant McVeigh is definitely going to, it doesn't matter whether they're 26 or 30. Now, ultimately we got to make sure we, you know, stay below the, the maximum numbers that the league uh, grants you in terms of, uh, you know, guys who are over the age of 23 right. and, and the same on the international front. So, but we had, we had the maximum number we could have of, of quote unquote old guys, <laughs> and we had the maximum number uh, that we were allowed to have for for international guys as well. And so, you know, like I said, we're, we're we feel like anybody that we bring in here is going to get better as a player because of the great coaching staff that we have, the environment that we've started to create, um, both in training um, and also from a fan perspective. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try to put out the best team on the field that we can, um, and we feel like we can be entirely objective about you know who are the best 18 and then who are the best 11 guys who are going to help us win any given game and we're we want to win we want to win every game we can and it's not strictly about the development for us because we feel like the development's going to happen 
whether it's happening at training or it's going to happen within games, guys are going to get better. Um, but, uh, you know, we're just looking for the best players we can find. And is there anything that you experienced this season that didn't quite meet your expectations or something that really threw you off? You know, it could be positive or negative that you weren't quite expecting going into this PDL season. Um, I think it's a, it's a hard question to answer because, you know, we, we, we tried to get a lot of advice from a lot of different teams and that was largely in PDL, but it wasn't just PDL teams. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, we talked to some of the teams we talked to early on, you know, we talked to Tormenta and Darren was super helpful uh, on the phone with us. We talked to the team, the league office, Joel Nash at the PDL got us connected to um, a team all the way out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, who had done a lot of good stuff from a sponsorship standpoint and, and Ron's, you know, was gracious with his time. So they, I felt like we were pretty prepared, mm. um, you know, but having said that, everything's still new and it's kind of like, um, I guess it kind of, I would liken it to like reading a manual about how to drive a car and you can read all about it mm. and you can feel like, okay, I think I understand, you know, what all the knobs and levers do. Um, but until you actually do it, you know, it's still going to feel a little bit uncomfortable, I guess. And so, um, you know, I, I've got to give Joel a lot of credit in the league office. Like I said, I think we, we knew what to expect. We didn't really run into any surprises administratively, mm-hmm. um, I would say. Um, you know, but I think that there were, um, you know, there. I think the the things that, you know, I talked earlier about, you know, what it was like when we scored our first goal. I think there's just such a sense of, you know, you can get bogged down in kind of the paperwork and the, you know, the, you know, all the meetings and all the phone calls and all the things that you've got to do to, to get ready. There's just a, there's a long checklist. Um, but the, the moments of pride, uh, and excitement, um, you know, we'd kind of distanced ourselves from the football, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And then as soon as the games hit, you're like, man, we better win this one, <laughs> you know, or, you know, we, you know, we, you're asking about rough stretches or, or you know, any, you know, kind of how, as we went through the season, you know, we had a couple of games back to back. We're like, Oh man, like, I hope it doesn't fall apart from here. You know, we're taking a couple of losses and, you know, how's that going to, you know, how's the team going to respond and all that type of stuff. And you can't, you just can't help but get emotionally pulled into the roller coaster. I think once, once you're on it. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, I've been a part of a lot of different sports organizations in the past. And, and it's one of the things that you try to avoid as somebody who's on the, you know, administrative side of things because it is so far out of your control, but you can't help but get on the roller coaster of wins, losses, and draws, and um, you know. But you, you know, you you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't have it any other way. And as long as you've done all your work on the front end, um, you know, you can you can survive a little bit while you're on the roller coaster. Hmm. Okay, cool. So, what would you say? You've you've talked a lot about you know all these great moments that happen. I remember when I talked to you before the season even started, you talked about how impressive the response was from the community and all that stuff yeah. going into the season. And then all these great things that happened for you guys this season. You finished third. And what I'm going to biasly agree with you is the toughest division in the PDL, uh, beating out some very high-quality teams. Uh, your attendance record uh, this season, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw something about you guys being like top five in the nation for the PDL. Yeah, I think um, – I. 
I honestly didn't know that until I, Joel, I mentioned Joel Nash of the PDL, the, the daily press, our local newspaper here was doing a story kind of to wrap up the season right. uh, here. Joel, Joel mentioned that. So I, that's, I don't think the final numbers are in, but Joel seems to think that we're going to finish in the top five. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see where it ends up shaking out, but that's, if that ends up paying out, that'll be something we're super, super proud of. And so, sorry, our music started playing for some reason. No. <laughs> I don't know if you heard it, but uh, we were like, what? That is so amateur. <laughs> but, um, I was look at that, it happened organically. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even... I thought it might. <laughs> you thought it might. That's great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but, um, wait. I left a pause in there so I'll know where to go clip it out later. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so perfect. Okay, so that happened. And um crap, I'm completely thrown off now. So <laughs> you were talking about oh yeah, the I attendance. can remember nothing the about the music. The attendance mu- the attendance number, uh how he said it might finish in the top, whatever. So okay. Oh yeah. R- regardless of whether uh you guys end up finishing in the top five or not, you guys did very impressive numbers this year. It's not all about how many fans you get in the stands, but that's definitely an important component. I mean, it shows your commitment to the community, community's commitment to you. And bottom line, if you guys get, you know, more ticket sales, it helps you fund and keep this thing going. Um, So that's really impressive for sure. So of all of those things that's happened this year, if it's possible, can you narrow down to what you think would be your proudest moment of the season at Lionsbridge? That's tough. Uh, you can't. Because there, there, there were there were so many. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if there's one. I, it, I've I've been struggling over the last week to try to like sum it up all in my own head. Of like, I've had a lot of people, you know, ask me in the last, especially in the last couple of weeks. We our our schedule is so front loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it felt like we were kind of slowing down in in, in July, and there, you know, what's it been like and. Uh, it's it's you know i feel like uh there's an old saturday night live skit where chris farley is interviewing paul mccartney he's like you remember that time that you sang that song and like everyone thought it was awesome and (laughs) paul mccartney goes yeah 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 i remember it was really great and he goes and chris farley goes yeah that was awesome (laughs) it's just like there's not a question in there there's not like there's no analysis um no, I mean, it, 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 it's the, the whole thing's just been awesome. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're sad that it's uh, over in the sense that we wish the season was still going. You know, we wish that there were more games that we could play. It's, you know, it's still crazy hot here in Virginia. It doesn't feel like the summer's over. Um, so it feels like we should still be playing more games. And, you know, we're going up to the Richmond Kickers game this week just because I think we're having some soccer withdrawals <laughs> and the World Cup's over. And just like, what do we do now? Yeah. You know, so. You know, we kind of don't really want to let it go. Uh, but at the same time, we're so excited to kind of start the process over again. We know there's things we can do better. We think it can get even bigger from a community standpoint. We know we have room to grow competitively. Um, so we're really proud of what we've done in the first season just as a whole. Um, you know, really from every angle, I think it's it's been a success. But we also feel like, you know, that's where we've just set the bar. And so we've got to get better from here. Um, you know, we, we need people to fall and fall in love with it all over again, uh, when we roll back around next year, but there's gotta be a series of things that we do in the off season to 
make informed decisions on what those things will be. Um, we need to keep the momentum going from a community standpoint because we can't just go away for nine months. Um, so we're going to be, you know, rolling out a series of events and the supporters group is starting to do some things on their own as well here. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I went to lunch with those guys today and Wally's army has been officially formed. (laughs) So (laughs) that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. The t-shirts are in production. They've got their own sponsor for that. So that's cool. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, we want to just try to help, um, help that group continue to grow because ultimately I think if we've got a strong supporters group that, um, that is doing a lot of things independently. Um, that can only, that can only be good for, for us and for the community. Um, so it's just really kind of a matter of kind of keeping it all going in the off season. Um, because I think, you know, at some point we, you know, and that moment's coming pretty soon, we're gonna have to turn the page, um, and start working on 2019 and, um, and kind of dreaming it all up again. Wally's Army too. I love that name for a supporters group. Yeah, you should see the logo. Oh, it's man. pretty slick. They got a Twitter? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Not yet. I'll have to talk to Scott and Carl and Brittany and all the all the whole crew that's putting it together. Um, but uh, they were going to get together for lunch on their own today, and they said, "Oh, by the way, do you want to come?" I'm like, "I don't. I'll just sit and listen. Right. You guys can do whatever you like." Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, they're 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 getting it going. So awesome. you know, we're gonna go see some go see some of the players that played for us this summer at their colleges, go see a Chawan game, go see an old Dominion game and and bring all their Lions Bridge gear and wave the flags and wow. do all that stuff and people will be like, What's, What's this? this all about? <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully and hopefully that will bring you know, hopefully that makes the tent even bigger. Oh wow, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, I'm excited for y'all's next year now just to see how that all goes. Wow, that's, that's I know. Cool. And, and the problem is that we have to wait about <laughs> 9 months to do it all over again. That is so. the painful thing about American amateur soccer. Indeed. So but um thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us Mike. Uh we've uh I said it on the last episode, but um when when we first heard that there was going to be one team in the Carolinas uh, one team in the conference that wasn't a Carolina team, we were both like, oh, man. Uh, especially <laughs> when there's one team that's in the Carolinas that's not in the conference. But I'm yeah. so right. glad that you guys are in it because it's been a lot of fun seeing how you guys have grown up there in uh, what I'd like to call North, 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 North Carolina. <laughs> and um, it, it's been so cool to see you guys grow. Uh, we've enjoyed watching the streams, which, by the way, I believe you told me uh, Christopher Newport, someone there, does y'all streams. Yeah, Austin Gregory's the uh, the guy who oversees all the video at CNU, and he is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. He uh, he he leads a, a team of I think five or six guys that uh, that put it on, and and they do a great job. Yeah, but yeah. but I you know we we really appreciate. It. We're glad to be a part of of the division with all the the, the North Carolina teams um, and Myrtle. Well, I guess we have to be nice to Myrtle. <laughs> um, but uh, we have fun with Myrtle on Twitter. Oh, they yeah. seem to enjoy the banter the most. Oh, yeah. Y'all's Twitter, um, y'all's GIF game on Twitter is phenomenal. <laughs> I, I love it so it's, much. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. And that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, I think it's supposed to be fun like that. But yeah. we appreciate we appreciate being invited to the party um, and appreciate everything that you guys do to, to help – cover the league and help it grow um especially in our division like we said we're we're also biased about how tough it is but Mm. um you know we're we're glad to be a part of it and appreciate everything you guys do to help make it uh you know keep it on people's radar um and generate interest for uh for not only the league and the division but also for us up here in the northern 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 part of north carolina (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah thanks again so much and uh we're looking forward to see how you guys continue through the off season and next year and uh, ben and i are both going to 
very much try to come hang out with Wally's Army uh, one game next year. Uh, it would be so much you'll, fun. You'll have a great time, I can promise. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank us again, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. Bye. And there we have it. Uh, that was an awesome interview with Mike. Uh, didn't you think so, Benjamin? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It felt like talking to um, an old friend, I suppose. Um, it, it was just a. It was even more information on a team that is probably my Asheville from this year or from last year to this year. I guess if that makes any sense. Um, you know what I'm trying wow, to say. Wow, Greenville isn't your Asheville. I, other than I'm Greenville, hey, hey. I'm going to have every Greenville FC fan like, fast forward. If you don't want to listen to this whole podcast because you don't like Virginia people or what have you, fast forward to this moment and hear the soccer groups betray you guys. Hey. <laughs> I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed them very much. They were a lot of fun. And it's cool you said that because I know he told me at one point Asheville was one of the teams that they looked at last year, yeah. uh, you know, along with a couple of other awesome NPSL clubs. But um, it, it's a lot of fun hearing about what they're doing. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what they're going to do next year. So, like, they're starting up a supporters group. And the, the Wally's – what was it? Wally's Army. Wally's Army. And yeah. that, is that the coach's last name? I don't know. I was wondering that. I was going to ask him if it was the lion's name. I thought that would be The lion's cool. name's Wally. Yeah. Well, there's four lions. It's well, maybe one, one of them is lion. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, but really like I don't know why I thought his name was like Chris Whaley or something like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure he said it in the interview, but that was a while back when he said it. He did, yeah. But um, anyways, I uh, also love that our uh, intro came organically. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, yeah, I thought it would. So I'm probably going to keep that in there as well. Well, you guys won't know if I've done that. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, just before we let you guys go, just to let you know, if any of you happen to be in the Newport News area... Lionsbridge is hoping, uh, hoping, hosting a season wrap party mm-hmm. Sunday, August fifth, from two to five p.m. at Tradition Brewing Company. Mm. So, uh, if you guys want to go check that out, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. You, know, all you uh, folks in Virginia who listen to a primarily Carolina soccer podcast, I'm sure some do. I'm sure a lot of uh, yeah. Lionsbridge folks will want to tune in for this episode. So, hello, Lionsbridge people. Yes. Uh, but yeah, go check that out, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing what they do in 2019. But uh, pretty much after this, all we got left is uh, we're going to do our episode or episodes with our wonderful, beautiful, amazing Patreon members yes. uh, to find out what amateur and or local soccer means to them. So until then, I've been Chris. And I've been Ben. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. That was super